Hello and welcome to So It's a Show, a podcast where we attempt to keep up with Lorelai and Rory's pop culture references on Gilmore Girls. I'm Kyla. And I'm Taylor. And we're on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and pew, 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 we're excited to be here. Yeah, we are. This is episode nine. Yes. And but we are of talk- episode eight. Yes, Gilmore which Girls. we will fix at one point. I just know it. I mean, maybe we'll double up on a Gilmore Girls episode at some point. Maybe. If we think find a great reason. Of course, it's probably going to be like season seven. We'll find an excuse to do that. <laughs> just to you blow know, through we'll that as fast be like as we one can. Number off forever. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be our thing, our shtick. Yeah. Yes. Talking about this is Love and War and Snow, which is another one of my early. <sighs> faves of Gilmore Girls. Yes, I do like that episode quite a bit. I actually played it for my parents because my dad the other day randomly texted me that he had stumbled across some Gilmore Girls and that he was watching it on purpose. And so then he asked me if we could watch another one. And so I said, sure. And we watched that one. Oh, it's such a good one. Yeah, because it snows. Yes. And it's magical when it snows. And mm-hmm. also, I don't think the moment where Emily eats the pizza <laughs> will ever get old. Like, wow, this is amazing. And trust me, put the Parmesan on. It makes all the difference. Uh, and how she was using her fork. And she's like, if you want to be really crazy, you can use your hands. Well, all right. <laughs> it's one of my like, favorite early Emily is actually a human moments. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there. those are few and far between, especially at the beginning. Yes. Great episode. And we are going to be talking about a pop culture reference from Emily's point of view. Which, is this the first one we've done? Yeah, that is it is. an Emily reference? Yeah. Because I think, what, Peyton plays? Big guy named Moose. Jack Kerouac. I know I'm forgetting several other Valley episodes. of the Dolls. Yeah, yeah. all Lorelai. The Waltons. Richard. The Waltons was Rory. Yeah, Peyton Place was Richard. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think this is the first Emily one. Yeah. Which, now that we brought up all of our episodes, what's been your favorite? Oh, that's tricky. Um, I will say, from a research standpoint, I think my favorite was the Waltons one because... Okay. It was enjoyable to talk with my grandma and get to experience that with her instead of, which this isn't a bad thing, but like for this week, I watched the movie by myself while I was like getting ready for the next day, which is totally fine and I'm good with it, but it was kind of fun to mix that up. Um, Although our Valley of the Dolls one was pretty fun. Yeah, that one is definitely my favorite. Yeah. Because that movie was so, I mean, insane, just what all went on (laughs) and how much we actually had to spend on plot summary in explaining it and reacting because yeah there was so much in there so yeah and i just i enjoyed patty duke learning about her and her character neely (laughs) o'hara and nudies yes (laughs) oh boy you've just brought back memories of a couple weeks ago and, yep. yeah, so maybe the lesson here is we need to do things that are more bonkers. I think so. 
more drugs the better (laughs) (laughs) well the person we talked to we're talking about today was an alcoholic so that that should be good let's let's go with him then okay gotcha all right let's play the clip oh is that you guys yes it is that is our wedding picture it's an amazing dress it should have been my mother had three seamstresses working around the clock making it you still have it it's upstairs packed away somewhere I'll save it for you if you like. Oh, Emily. Roy's too young to be thinking about things like that. Oh, Richard, please. Every young girl thinks about her wedding. I know I did. I knew from the time I was 12 that I wanted lilies and orchids with a silver bow wrapped around them for my bouquet. Mm. You also knew that you wanted to marry Errol Flynn. Really? Grandma had a thing for the pirate guy? I did not have a thing for the pirate guy. She was mad about him. She even tried to get me to grow one of those little mustaches. You're kidding. Richard, stop. She wanted me to swing from a chandelier. Oh, now you're just being silly. Luckily, I was on the fencing team at college, or I would have married Lucinda Lester by now. Actually, Lucinda Lester looked a lot like Errol Flynn. (laughs) I should have married her. It would have been very modern of me. Oh, my goodness. That's a great scene. (laughs) There you go. Emily wanted to marry Errol Flynn. And... Kyla, I have to tell you, at first glance, I totally get it. Yeah, he's he's pretty suave looking. <laughs> um, I did not. We watched for the listeners' benefit. We watched different Errol Flynn movies. I watched The Adventures of Robin Hood, and what did you watch? I watched. Well, I was going to watch The Case of the Curious Bride. Yes, but then it actually looked like. He wasn't really a big star in that, and it wasn't a great movie, and I couldn't find it. So <laughs> I watched, <laughs> I watched, what did I watch? <laughs> Cry um, Wolf. Oh, I was not familiar with that one. When was that released? That was released in 1947. Oh, okay. So yours was in the 30s, though, right? Yes, 1938, which was like, um, his big breakout role was in 1936, so it was kind of early in his career. Okay. So. Yeah, so I thought that'd be good if we got ones from different decades. But ours yeah. were certainly very different, I'm pretty sure. Even though I have not watched yours, but well, what it sounds like. We'll get into that. So, um, what did you think that Emily was talking about, though, when oh, she right. said she wanted to marry Errol Flynn? I assumed that he was some sort of famous actor when of their time, but or singer, just famous person, and I knew nothing. And then when they started talking about the chandelier, like, okay, must have done that in a movie. I didn't know. I had no idea. Yeah, I knew I, who he was. I knew he was an actor, but that's about it. Like, I didn't know anything about him, and I had never seen a movie with him till this week. So. Hmm. Yeah, same here. But when they said the pirate guy, it's like, okay, he doesn't sound like he was maybe famous. Maybe he was just more a mockery. (laughs) Like, was he on a commercial? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, you're right. That would totally make sense in the context of that sentence. Like, like, can you imagine Rory saying, you mean that guy who always says, can you hear me now on the commercial? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's what I was going The cell with. phone guy? Yeah. So yeah, we neither of us knew. No. Not Errol Flynn, Flynn fans. No. Although I will say, like I said, after seeing him in a movie, he is a fun actor to watch. Mm-hmm. So also he is someone, at least in the film world, that I think is 
how do I say it? He's like the archetype for a lot of actors. So when mm-hmm. I was trying to find references to him and do some research on him, a lot of the reasons he kept coming up in search results was because they were saying modern actors were like Errol Flynn. Mm. And so he still gets compared to. So some of them were Heath Ledger or Jude Law, people that people find attractive and uh, very suave and potentially a good action star. So, Okay, interesting. Yeah. So a little bit about Mr. Errol Flynn. That is his real name, although he also has the middle names Leslie Thompson. His full name is Errol Ooh. Leslie Thompson Flynn. That is quite a mouthful. And he was born in Australia in 1909. And growing up, he had a lot of different jobs, including diamond smuggler, pearl what? diver, reporter, bird trapper, gigolo, <laughs> and charter boat captain. So, oh, my. He was quite the dive like. His LinkedIn profile today would be awesome. (laughs) Um, And then when he was working as a boat captain, an Australian producer thought he was very handsome and thought he would be great in a movie. So they put him in a movie called In the Wake of the Bounty, which sounds like a great... I don't know if he was a pirate in the movie, but it definitely sounds like a boat movie. Mm -hmm. And that was in 1933. And then to follow on the boat theme, his big breakout role was in 1936 in a movie called Captain Blood, which... Ooh, boat dun, movie. Dun, dun. Yes. <laughs> boat movie is a theme in his career. Uh-huh. And this is also the first of eight movies he starred in with Olivia de Havilland, who was in Adventures of Robin Hood that I watched. Mm-hmm. And you might know her from Gone with the Wind. She plays Melanie. Oh, okay. So she's a pretty big name. Because that and- was back when uh, production companies owned actors for yeah. a period of time that mm-hmm. was so bizarre going back and watching old movies it's the same people in these movies together i don't know it kind of throws me for a loop well and then they get stuck in these big contracts or then studios are trying to find ways to get out of contracts with stars so mm, yeah. yeah i'm glad we don't do that anymore i mean not that same it really here. impacts me <laughs> but <laughs> it impacts my viewing experience yeah <laughs> So, so, and he was a pretty consistent actor from then on. He acted until he died in 1959, but he is actually probably just as well known for his acting as he is for his romantic life, which Hmm. Kyla, you know how they say never meet your heroes because they'll disappoint you. Yes. Well, I say don't even read the Wikipedia article (laughs) for a man you thought was handsome in a 1930s movie because it will disappoint you. (laughs) So he had a lot of romantic partners and he was married three times. Also, a lot of his bio I pulled from the Turner Classic Movies website and... (laughs) They have a relationship section for actors, (laughs) and in addition to his three marriages, they had two companions listed, so I guess significant people in his life. But then, Kyla, this is really where it gets bad. You can find reasons to make, you can say, well, you don't know the full story on a divorce. Maybe the other person was terrible, blah, blah, blah. it was always their fault. Yeah, you never know. But, uh... There is never a way to rationalize statutory rape and having relationships with girls under the age of 18. Can I just, I cannot 
say that emphatically enough. There's never a good circumstance or okay circumstance for this. So Errol Flynn, he dropped in my mind quite a bit after I found Uh, out about that. So he never actually got convicted. He was on trial about the same time your movie was coming out. You said 1947? Uh huh. I think the trial was 1947 or 1948, so there you go. Oh. <laughs> and uh, he was acquitted on both charges because I guess they didn't find enough evidence. But curiously enough, <laughs> this is from Turner Classic Movies. Curiously, during the trial, Flynn got acquainted with an 18 year old Nora Eddington, daughter of the county sheriff who worked at the Hall of Justice, and they married. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Actually, I guess this happened earlier. His trial was earlier. But they married in 1943. So he met this girl when she was 18, and she was his second marriage, I think. So that was a weird situation. Wow. Yeah. So, but here is a weird Gilmore connection. He Uh had a daughter with her and named her Rory. Well, that's nice then. I know. Good job, Errol. I guess it's a silver lining. I, uh, I'm not going to go there. Um, no. But apparently, Rory said later, she, her mother knew what she was getting into. And she said, her mother, Nora, told him up front, you can do whatever you want when you're at the studio, but the one thing you can never do is bring it home. Hmm. So, boundaries, I guess. Well, um, or that, denial. Yeah, I don't know. And, well, and... He had such a reputation that now if you ever hear anyone use the phrase in like Flynn, it means congrats, you seduced somebody. <laughs> in like Flynn. <laughs> so. Oh, I've never heard that one. I Once I read it in the article, I was like, oh, I guess I have heard this. But now if you hear anyone say that, that's what it means. Oh, that's funny, but also bad. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Ugh. Okay, so romantically a mess. And then he also partied a lot. He drank a lot. It, he actually reminded me a lot of Neely in Valley of the Dolls. Hmm. So one of his co-stars, Maureen O'Hara, said that in the morning he would be really professional and like know all his lines and everything on the set mm-hmm. that they worked together. But by 4 o'clock he was totally drunk. On one set, they banned alcohol, presumably, I'm guessing, because of him. And he ended up bringing vodka-laced oranges to work so he could... How do you do that? I I guess you inject the vodka. Yeah. So, (laughs) anyway. And he ended up dying in 1959 of a heart attack, and the doctor said his body looked like it belonged to a 75-year-old, even though he was only Mm. 50. There you go. Oh, and his autobiography that he was writing, I think he did not finish it upon his time of death, though it is now published, was called My Wicked, Wicked Ways. So I kind of think maybe it's the equivalent of OJ's If I Did It. That's exactly the thought that came into my head. (laughs) So, I have not read this book, but it kind of sounds like he's owning up to what happened. So, anyway. Errol Flynn, handsome man on the outside, not so handsome on the inside. No. No. And some of what you said about co-star, or uh, being with him on set and having to ban alcohol, 
mm-hmm. definitely rang true on even the set of my the hour and 23 minute movie that I watched. He was not not an enjoyable co-star. Gotcha. Well, actually, and before we move on from the bio, I have to tell you one more fun fact from millennial to millennial. Okay. So Rory had a son and named him Sean. And Sean Flynn played Chase on Zoe 101. Zoe 101. The Jamie Lynn Spears show on Nickelodeon. Oh, yes. (laughs) And Chase was her true love. (laughs) That is Errol oh. Flynn's grandson. That's funny. Good, <laughs> good job, Flynn family. There you go. Millennial to millennial. That is something yes. I thought you would appreciate. So, Oh, I hadn't thought of that TV show in a very long time. I had I not even acted. Right? Yeah. So thank you, Turner Classic Movies, for filling me in on that. <laughs> not That's surpri- actually where I got some info. Okay. They are a wealth of information. I had never used them before. I had neither. I have. But they were very helpful for Errol Flynn. Good. So, there you go. Now you know a little bit about the story of Errol Flynn. And we will definitely be sharing some resources on our brand new Tumblr page that we have been tweeting about. I hope you guys have all looked at it. If you want to learn more about the hot mess of a romantic life of Errol Flynn, <laughs> that will be available to you. <laughs> Yay. Yay. You're welcome. Yes. Okay, but one thing that, a word that we could just not, I could just not get away from when I was researching Errol Flynn was, I think you know it, swashbuckler. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, that definitely came up in my research too. No synonyms, just always swashbuckler. <laughs> Are there any synonyms for swashbuckler? I think you would need a full phrase. Mm, like an action star or an action hero. I guess. A handsome hero action man. Pirate guy. That's what Rory <laughs> called him. Um, do you want to hear some definitions that I found. Oh, please do. A heroic archetype in European adventure literature that is typified by the use of a sword and chivalric ideals. Holy cow. So that's that's what you need. So basically, it seemed like it was a hero set in medieval times who Mm. uses a sword. (laughs) (laughs) because that's all they had (laughs) yeah i guess so but i guess it's a okay so it brings together the words archaic and buckler which Mm -hmm. is archaic is to swagger with a drawn sword although it also has other meanings and buckler a small shield gripped in the in the fist so I, that's just how they chose to, I don't know, how they chose to put those together. I'm not sure. But it's a hero in medieval times, and that's apparently Errol Flynn. He is the new definition. Okay, so you're saying to me that's what swashbuckling action means. So when I tell you Shrek the Third was rated PG for crude humor, suggestive content, and swashbuckling action swashbuckling action can get yes. you a pg-13 rating 
just PG. Oh, just but, PG. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, one of the reasons it was rated PG was swashbuckling action. And that word always makes me think of that MPAA rating. Because I remember when that movie came out thinking that was ridiculous. Oh, that's too funny. So I guess, okay, and I know that the whole point of Shrek is beauty is not in your appearance. But I don't feel like I would qualify Shrek as a swashbuckler. It's not just about appearance. I don't think he's suave enough to be like Errol Flynn. Yeah. Uh, Well, maybe that's what they're trying to say. You don't have to be beautiful to wield a sword. (laughs) (laughs) Or your fist. (laughs) Maybe, Maybe the MPA was getting super meta on the meaning of that movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I did not know they used that in the rating system. Apparently. At least that one time. I've never seen it any other time. Interesting. Well, swashbuckling, I I didn't know what it was, admittedly, when we were looking that up. So I had to look into that. And Indiana Jones, that was a good modern example. Yes. Swashbuckling. He is a great modern swashbuckler. Yeah. That works. Yes. <laughs> Oh, swashbuckler. Would you say that Chris Pratt, like in Ooh, Guardians of the Galaxy yes. and Jurassic World, good modern yes. swashbuckler? Yes. I think he's a pretty good spiritual follow-up to that. I would say so. And really funny on Instagram. Have you seen his videos? Yes. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that they label snacks. For actors, like, this is your snack, and this is your dinner. Did you see those? No, I didn't see that. What's in my snack? What's my (laughs) snack? (laughs) Okay, the one that I loved kind of recently, I guess this was a little bit ago, but I told you in our last style-themed episode that I read in Style Magazine, and he was the man of style a couple months ago. And Mm -hmm. so he basically screenshotted all the images of him in these stylish clothes where, you know, they make you do the awkward poses with, like, your arms a certain way or, like, looking off into the distance. But he mm-hmm. wrote captions for all of them, and they were so funny. <laughs> oh, I didn't see those. I'll have to look. This is our um, unofficial plug for Pratt 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 on Twitter yeah. and Instagram. Yeah, I like him. Yes, fun guy. He's cool. Modern mm-hmm. swashbuckler. Modern swashbuckler. I would say so. Um, but there are also some female swashbucklers. Mm, what do up? Tell. Um, I do not know these people, but one of them is Maureen O'Hara. She was in Against All Flags. And she was she was the one talking about how Errol Flynn was professional until he was drunk at four PM. Oh. Yeah, yeah. She was in a movie with Errol Flynn. Yes. Against All Flags, nineteen fifty two. And then Jean Peters in Anne of the Indies. I don't know that one. That was from 1951. Okay. And she was like a pirate. Cool. So, good job. There are some female ones. And how about some modern female swashbucklers? Who can we think of? Well, Kira Knightley in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. She's pretty swashbuckling. And she's even a pirate, so extra points for that. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm trying to think now who are, like, I guess the equivalent I can think of is, like, action star, which I feel like 
like superheroes I wouldn't normally like I just said Chris Pratt for Guardians of the Galaxy but that's such a different superhero movie yeah so like I wouldn't really call Scarlett Johansson swashbuckling even though she's a great Black Widow I would say maybe um Katniss Everdeen Hmm. but she's not really I don't know arrow buckling <laughs> arrow buckling oh <laughs> yeah that's true she doesn't use a sword yeah i guess so is the question is is the determining factor the sword i think how it originally came to be yes but we've kind of turned it into our own not film genre but character type yeah archetype. so what about Star Wars, then, like, would you say Ray in the new Force Awakens or Jin in Rogue One? I would say more Jin mm. because Ray, at least in the first movie, was I don't know, just kind of learning and mm-hmm. shouldn't really become the hero. I don't think. Yeah, but Lynn, is it Lynn? Jin, 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 Urso. right? Jin, she definitely was i mean she saved people yeah well and she was also she wasn't a she was a lawbreaker she wasn't a true blue pirate in the modern sense of the word or this universe sense of the word yeah but she was definitely a lawbreaker right so you might consider her that's about the only people i'm thinking of there are female action stars but i wouldn't call them swashbuckling as much why not Mm, well, I mean, I don't, I feel like, okay, so now we're getting sort of meta, I guess, but I feel like the main place, for better or for worse, that female action stars have done well is, like, dystopian YA adaptations. Mm. So, like, yeah. Hunger Games, Divergent till it fizzled out, some <laughs> of the other areas, uh, or, like, I'm blanking, but I know there's more to it. In general, we could use more women in action movies. That's just a blanket statement. And I don't feel like that's... I mean, a lot of people say that, too. But I feel like a lot of those, like, especially in The Hunger Games, which is, like, prime A example, Mm -hmm. she's not known for swagger. She's not known for tons of personality. She's a great... She's a well-developed character and a really important character, but she's also very serious. She doesn't have a... There's not much humor in those movies. Right. And so, like, when I'm watching Errol Flynn in Adventures of Robin Hood, part of the reason I find him so swoon-worthy in that movie is he is so, like, he's funny, he's really witty, he's a total flirt with Olivia de Havilland. (laughs) He's just very charming. And I don't, like, even Black Widow in Avengers, I wouldn't really call her charming. No. I mean, she is in her own way. And I I feel like that's... That is how female heroes are written. Like, Mm -hmm. because the only way, because it, just with culture, society, guys can become heroes. Sure, no problem. But for a woman to be a hero, she has to be a whole other kind of woman. And -hmm. there's some truth in, in that. But that's also, I think, how they write the women. They have to be almost broken or, you know, Mm -hmm. to, well, and so, 
like Chris Pratt, too, he's the comic relief and the lead at the same time. Mm-hmm. And he's in a comedy. Whereas I can't really think of any female action comedies that have made significant cultural impact. I mean, yeah. there was, what, the heat with Reese Witherspoon and Sofia Vergara a couple years ago that I didn't end up seeing because mm. it almost, it didn't make much of an impression and didn't right. get very good reviews. What about Miss Congeniality? <gasps> Ooh, that is a good action comedy. I enjoyed that movie quite a bit. Yeah. I think that one is swashbuckling. A little on a bit. smaller scale. Not a sword, but a... Yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. So also I'm flipping through last year's box office. Not a sword, but a boat. Moana. Oh, you know, I have not seen that, but I listened to the soundtrack. (laughs) Oh, Kyla, I love that. I keep meaning to see it. It's so good. She's on a boat. She does not have a sword, but she does have a paddle that she hits the god Maui with. (laughs) I think that's swashbuckling. I will count that. I'm going to say it is. Here, here. Yes. <laughs> and unless you can think of any females in the Star Trek franchise, do you consider that a swashbuckling? No. <laughs> that was a resounding no. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, well, that's interesting to think about. Female swashbucklers. Probably not any on Gilmore Girls. But if you had to pick one, who on Gilmore Girls would be a swashbuckler? Uh, Lane Kim. Ooh, tell me why. Because she is a rebel, Mm -hmm. but in a respectful way. And, I don't know, she's in a band. Yeah. She has drumsticks. Those are her weapons. She (laughs) goes against the man. Rock and roll. I like it. (laughs) You, go. I was thinking Paris. She, I think, Uh does not take anybody's business and... Can you imagine how well run a pirate ship would be with her on it, <laughs> as the captain? It would be spotless. Yes. It would be amazing. And I think somehow... Oh, and she fences. Remember that? There's an episode yes, early on where she fences. So, Paris. yes. Paris. That would be my pick. She's our swashbuckler. Yes. So. Oh. Well, I'm sure we'll think of more. Yes. Feel we'll free to interject. so swashbuckling i'm pretty sure was pretty well displayed by errol flynn in your movie yes am i right yes and i will say okay so i enjoy watching old movies but there are certain times where they feel slow or you can tell times have changed so much Yes. So this 1938 Adventures of Robin Hood was so fun. I really enjoyed it. And it did oh, not, good. it did not, fe- it felt very modern in some ways. It felt very similar to movies that could be made today, which surprised me a little bit. I want to read you, <laughs> I found some contemporary reviews uh, when it <laughs> came out, just because I wanted to see how people felt about it then. Right. And this is from Variety. It is a cinematic pageantry at its best, a highly imaginative telling of folklore and all the hues of Technicolor. (laughs) What does that even mean? I think it basically just means it's awesome. (laughs) And then this is from the New York Times. Life in the movies have their compensations, and such a film as The Adventures of Robin Hood 
is payment in full for many dull hours of picture going. Oh, they just wanted to have a good time. <laughs> I know. So, and they use the word swashbuckler. They say, in Errol Flynn, Sir Robin of Sherwood Forest has found his man, a swashbuckler from peaked cap to pointed toe. And he's quick for a fight or a frolic. I just adore this review. <laughs> <Or> frolic. <laughs> and where's that review from? This is from the New York Times. Nice. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, and actually what was really funny too, did you ever watch the animated Robin Hood growing up from Disney? That's all the yes. animals. Okay, so I did not realize it, but that movie is borrowing a lot from this version of Robin Hood. Interesting. So even the costumes are very similar, which I find funny because when you're doing animation, you can basically draw whatever the heck you want. Mm -hmm. But they pretty much drew very similar costumes to this movie. So oh, that's funny. Cool. And on animals, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. So... Uh, but this movie was a lot of fun, and actually the stunts were pretty impressive, too. So there's a lot of sword fighting in it, and Errol Flynn does some cool moves, like as a he knocks a gate to come down and then holds on to the rope as the gate goes down, so the rope cool. pulls him up. Mm. And there were a lot of similar scenes to the 1973 animated version so if you remember that scene where they have a contest and he comes in disguise mm -hmm. and then shoots the arrow straight down the middle into the other arrow that is in this mm -hmm. movie huh and another great stunt he jumps on a horse with his hands tied behind his back and takes off and it was all done in one take so you know wow. it's legit it so was the actual, it was actually arrow I think so, as far as I could tell. So they said that... I read somewhere that some stuntmen did work, but that also he did some of his own stunts, and it looked like him. So it's just Very kind of cool. fun, because when you watch these old movies, you know it's not computer stuff doing the stunts. Right. You know, even if it's not Errol Flynn, you know somebody's doing it, which is mm -hmm. cool. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. And it was also very romantic. Olivia de Havilland was wonderful. I like her a lot. And he was just very charming. He, one of my favorite lines early in the movie, when he has not won over Maid Marian yet. <laughs> and he shows up unannounced in Prince John's court. I don't feel like I need to give you a plot summary. It's basically Robin Hood. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly <laughs> like every story of Robin Hood. But early in the movie, he shows up unannounced after he has killed a deer which they knew he did, and that's illegal. The penalty is death. He shows up with the deer around his shoulders, throws it into the court, and then just joins them for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and he basically says, Prince John, yo, what you're doing is terrible. King Richard's off fighting a war. You shouldn't be king. And Maid Marian, who's right next to Prince John, says, you speak treason. And Robin Hood says, fluently. <laughs> and it was just perfect. Oh, that's a great line. Yes, it is a very fun movie. Highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Huh. Well, maybe I'll check it out. Yes. My movie that I watched was very different from the Errol Flynn of your movie. Okay. Sounds like. So I watched Cry Wolf. Well, I keep on just forgetting <laughs> what this is called. But like I said before, it was only an hour and 23 minutes, so very short, but it didn't feel short. Not that it felt long, but it just, it felt complete. Like, that was all the time mm -hmm. they needed. 
So in this movie, Errol Flynn was a creepy uncle who you thought was maybe a murderer <laughs> and not like uh-huh. in a save the day kind of way, like in a just straight up murder kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> not in a save. What do you mean? What would be a save the day kind of way? Well, like Robin Hood. He probably oh, killed some okay. people on his way. Like doing crimes, but he's a good guy. Right. Okay. Not a Batman kind of thing. Although Batman doesn't kill, right? But anyways, we need to get into that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe another swashbuckler because Uh, he keeps a lot of things on his belt buckle. Mm? Not a sword, but other tools. Yes. Oh, that's what you went to, the belt buckle. Yeah, although I think he does have swords too in the new ones. I don't know. I can't keep up. No. He just has those cool arm things that are basically like swords. Yes, those are swords. We'll go with it. He's, <laughs> he's a swashbuckler. Yeah. So in Cry Wolf, he is an uncle, and his nephew died. And here comes his unknown widow, his secret wife. And she says, dun, Hey, dun. I, we were married. Give me his inheritance. <gasps> and then they explain very quickly, but this is very complicated, that his family had a great fortune and the mother set up her will because her husband died first. So her mother, the mother set up her will so that the kids wouldn't get any money until they're 30. The uncle would have control over their money mm. unless they got married, in which case their spouses would get control of the inheritance. What? So, he goes to his friend, who's played by Barbara Stanwyck. Oh, Didn't yeah. Did you mention her? She is an upcoming Gilmore Girls reference. Oh, oh, right. That's where yeah. I saw that. <laughs> okay, never mind. Spoiler. But he goes to her and he says, hey, you're a pretty solid, uh, independent woman. Why don't you marry me? And then you can help me get my money from my uncle because he's this horrible person played by Errol Flynn. And she says, great. But then he dies like a few months later and she goes and she's like, hey, inheritance now. And so they can't find the will. So that's the pretense for her staying at this huge mansion for a little while is the lawyers trying to find his will and his safe deposit box. They don't know where it is. So while she's there, she meets her would be her sister-in-law, so her dead husband's sister, who complains of her uncle keeping her confined to the grounds, which is like several hundred acres, I'm sure. (laughs) Rich people probs. Yeah. (laughs) Hashtag. She has a boyfriend, but her uncle won't let her see him, and la-da-da. And at one point, I did notice that this lady seems like a little bit crazy, but maybe it's just because she's been confined to this house. And there's talks of her, of the uncle's secret laboratory. And so... Wait, wait, wait. Did you just say Errol Flynn has a secret laboratory? Yes, he does. Whoa. (laughs) I think (laughs) I want to watch this movie now. (laughs) I think you should, except I'm about to spoil it for you. Oh, no, you should spoil it for me because I'm intrigued. Okay. So they... No one's allowed in the secret laboratory. And they hear screams at night. And the sister says, I swear that's Jim, her brother who's dead and so they have a plan and the sister freaks out 
And next thing you know, she's flung herself or someone has flung her from her balcony <gasps> outside. She is dead. No. So now you're thinking the uncle killed the brother. Yeah. And now the sister. And now all he has to do is kill the wife and he gets all the money. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And while all this is happening, by the way, he kisses the wife with his eyes open. <laughs> That's the biggest crime. Eyes open. <laughs> yes. Very so, wide, like, staring at her. He kisses Barbara Stanwyck. Yes. And that's his nephew, his dead nephew's, supposedly dead nephew's wife. Yes. Widow. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Keep going. I'm intrigued. But then he humiliates her. I don't know. You know, he just said it was a science experiment. I don't know. Dude was weird. So she ends up asking if she can ride a horse from the stable. And so she rides off. And, like, the dude just lets her, even though there's a secret cottage. And she finds it. And there's her dead husband, alive and well. What? In a cottage? In a cottage, being taken care of some family friends. So he's a little bit drugged up, you can tell. He says they give him sleeping pills, and so he didn't recognize her at first. But the plan is he's going to come back to the house tonight. He's going to pocket his sleeping pills and sneak out while his overseers are sleeping. So that's when she goes. She finally has the big confrontation with the uncle, which, by the way, I don't know why she didn't get out of the house sooner. It was pretty clear if her suspicions were correct, that she was going to be the next to go. Yeah. So either way, she stays and he tells her, okay, I'm going to tell you the truth now. Oh, no. Their dad died in an insane asylum. Mm. So they have that insanity gene within them. (gasps) And the mom didn't want them to procreate and have more crazy babies oh no and they she knew they couldn't handle the money so her dead but actually alive ex-husband a few months before he was put in a little cottage he killed a guy so he's the murderer and the uncle got the court to put him in his care which i don't think that actually happens but i guess if you're bajillionaires you can do whatever you want side note so he's been keeping him confined there and now he's been watching the sister and so he thinks that the niece committed suicide she went crazy so he tells all this to barbara stanwick and then jim her dead husband who's alive jumps out <laughs> from behind and hits the uncle over the head with a wrench and runs off with barbara but the uncle survives and they end up upstairs up on the grand staircase and through very poorly choreographed fight scene, <laughs> the dead husband who's alive becomes actually dead. So he was crazy. Yes. And Errol Flynn was telling the truth. Yes. In a very creepy way, but he was. Then who was screaming in the laboratory? That was the husband. He was keeping him there until the cottage was ready, which what do you have to do to get a cottage ready? Just <laughs> give him a bed and food. So that was him having crazy moments. Oh my gosh. I wish. So yeah, 
pretty that good listeners twist. can see my face. I am like <laughs> jaw dropped, big eyes. Like this movie is bonkers. Which this yes. is exactly what we wanted from this episode. Yes, craziness. You. Uh. Okay. Wow. What in the world? Okay, that still sounds like a fun movie to watch, even though it's been spoiled. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It really was. But definitely not swashbuckling happening. No. Although something you told me made me think of something else that I read. You said that he kissed her with his eyes open. Which, by the way, don't kiss your niece-in-law. That's weird. (laughs) Just Um, a side note. But he Uh, was in a movie with Betty Davis, and they were supposed to kiss in the movie, and they didn't get along very well. And (laughs) so he tongue-kissed her, which apparently was not supposed to happen in the movies at the time. And she said she could taste the alcohol in his mouth. And then, um, (laughs) then in one scene, she was supposed to fake slap him. And she really did. She hit him super hard. That is and awesome. And he got really mad. <laughs> oh. So you're just making me think about how Errol Flynn, not the best guy to kiss in a movie. No. No, it was a very, it was very strange. I, you should just watch that. I'll get a screenshot of it and we'll put that on Tumblr because it was bizarre. Okay. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> okay, guys, she's reenacting this now. <laughs> To her microphone, and <laughs> if I were mean, I would screenshot that uh, and share it on the Tumblr. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for not doing that. But yeah. he was, yeah, he wasn't liked on that movie either. Even before they released the movie, the studio had his co-star put out a statement that said, People say terrible things about Errol Flynn. I've never worked with anyone nicer. He was on time. He knew his lines. He was a perfect gentleman. <laughs> That was actually what Maureen O'Hara said, too. O'Hara. <laughs> she said, Maureen, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're, we're creating our own inside jokes now. Yes. Okay. He was in, yes, like you said, Against All Flags. And this is from TCM again. Thank you, Turner Classic Movies. You're awesome. During the production, co-star Maureen O'Hara noted that Flynn exhibited consummate professionalism. Prepped and ready with his lines to start the day, (laughs) but would inevitably be drunk by 4 p.m. Yeah. There you go. They come up with some good things to say. There were some parts in the movie that (laughs) were very, very sexist. And I thought, hmm, maybe now I'm thinking maybe Errol Flynn thought that himself with the way he liked to treat women. Oh, dear. Uh, Like kissing his niece-in-law who's probably much younger than him yes and although that's an industry-wide problem of pairing significantly older male co-stars with younger (sighs) female stars yeah that that's not exclusive to errol flynn by the way (laughs) in my notes i wrote down the timestamps for these scenes but all i wrote next to them were sexist (laughs) (laughs) i didn't write what actually happened (laughs) Well, Kyla, do you really need to know anything else? <laughs> Actually, you probably do. That's probably worth talking about. Uh, but one of them, he said something about, even though you're of the female sex, or something about Which not is being always able to... a good way to start a sentence. Yeah. That's about similar to the time I met someone at work. For the record, 
Don't ever start a sentence with somebody that you've just met with, I hope this doesn't offend you, and then end with a joke about female drivers with two women that you're meeting for the first time. I mean, I just, I don't know how you think this is, like, a great idea with two women you've never met before. Just a little piece of advice. That's for free. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Taylor. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> Happy to provide from my one, from this one experience I had not that long ago that I was like, really? Do you hear this? And if you are like Errol Flynn and many women find you attractive, don't take advantage of that and break laws. Just don't do that. That'd, that'd be good. <laughs> That's our free advice for today. <laughs> I don't know what plans you have in that. That devious feminine mind of yours. May I make a suggestion? What? Next time you hear some odd noise in the night, just follow the memorable custom of your sex and stick your head under the bedclothes. The one thing that he did say right before he kissed her with his eyes open was those very lovely eyes. (laughs) (laughs) She just leans in and stares. And I don't know if her eyes were open. Camera didn't show her eyes. Maybe that was their thing. What a weird angle the camera must have been at if it was only showing his eyes. Yeah, their heads. his head was, like, sideways. Oh, yeah. it was from behind her? Yes. Oh, that's not creepy. That's not instilling. Oh, it makes me... It's like I'm feeling creeped out just thinking about that. But Ugh. you... Like, that's part of filmmaking, though, is choosing the angles to get the atmosphere. And I guess right. if the atmosphere of this movie is supposed to be creepy... That makes sense, though, that you would shoot from behind because then it's like, who's looking over her shoulder? Who's watching this? It goes along with that. Cinematography. Yes. Yes. So they definitely did achieve the creepy vibe. Yes. And and this was such a different role from the normal ones. um, And people definitely, just from what I was reading, um, they thought he was probably pretty excited to play something different. Hmm. You know. Gotcha. Uh, more. Oh, yeah. Someone described it. Let's see. Flynn clearly relished the opportunity to play a man of high breeding and erudition, yet one guided by hardwired propriety and hobbled by mounting guilt, while Stanwyck was an inspired midlife Nancy Drew, <laughs> creeping through the shadows at zero dark 30, folding <laughs> herself into dumb waiters and spidering across gabled rooftops to gain access into Flynn's forbidden attic laboratory. Which, by the way, was one room, and it looked like a kitchen, and it was not exciting. (laughs) So, a laboratory, which, for the record, the first time you said it, I thought you said lavatory, like a bathroom on an airplane. (laughs) I clearly did not. That's why I had to go, wait, you said his laboratory? Yeah. Lab, yeah, yeah. So maybe it was more like a lavatory i don't know <laughs> well thank you for sharing that experience with me that you're welcome sounds like quite the experience <laughs> it was that was a good wednesday night Glory, let me go no you're going away with me first i want to destroy those papers the papers i heard what mark was telling you i can open a safe i don't want there to be any proof proof of anything we'll get in the car and go away you do want to go away with me, don't you, Sandra? Don't you? Sandra. So we've talked some Errol Flynn. We've talked some Robin Hood. 
We've even talked a little Zoe 101 in there. <laughs> but, Kyla, how do you think all of this fits into the world of Gilmore Girls? I think Emily watched Robin Hood. <laughs> I think she did. I think she watched the pirate guy. <laughs> I will say, this made me think, looking back at the scene... It left me a little confused because she said she wanted to marry Errol Flynn, right? Because she mm-hmm. loved the mustache. Because you have to say it like that. Mustache. Mustache. Okay, but think a little bit forward into Gilmore Girls history. Do you remember when Emily and Richard go through that rough patch in season four? Mm-hmm. And Five, I guess, season four and five. And one of the things that is driving Emily crazy when they start having problems is that mustache yes. that Richard is growing. And she hates that mustache. It's crazy. Crazy? You think this is crazy? Okay, Mom. This isn't crazy. I didn't mean to. That stupid mustache is crazy. That's what's crazy. And your father's job is crazy. That's what's crazy. He was supposed to be slowing down, and now he's club hopping with Jason and hanging out with Moby and having secret lunches with women and lying about it. Mom, calm down. Why should I calm down? Are you on his side? Do you like that mustache? I just find that an interesting contrast. Perhaps she did not care for it on Richard. Although he keeps it the rest of the show, so I guess she gets over it. I don't even, I don't picture his face with or without one. Yeah, I guess he does have a mustache. A yeah, mustache. he doesn't in the early seasons, but he does in the later ones. Oh, interesting. And also, I do not think Errol Flynn would have been a good match for her because the other reason, well, one of the other reasons they have problems in season four and five is you find out that he's been having lunch with Penelope Lott, his former yes. fiance, once a year just to catch up. And considering Errol Flynn's romantic history, I do not think Emily would be having any of it. I think she knows no. she can do better. What restaurant? You don't know it. Why don't I know it? Because you've never been there. How do you know I've never been there? You don't know everything about me. I don't know everything about you. I didn't know you were having lunch with Pendle and Lott. We obviously don't know everything about each other. What restaurant? Adele's. I've never been there. We just had lunch and talked. Two old friends. How nice. So after all of these years of not having lunch and not talking, you two decide to get together and catch up. Whose idea was it? Emily, could we discuss this in the trailer? We will discuss this right here. Whose idea was it? I don't know. We've been having lunch once a year for many years. It's just a little tradition. Every year since when? Every year since we got married. Emily, please don't make this more dramatic than it has to be. No, I certainly wouldn't want to do that. Pennyland and I are just friends. We just wanted to keep track of each other. That was it. So you've lied to me for the last 39 years? Well, she didn't tell Stephen. It was only lunch. Only lunch, yes. Emily, I... I think you should go for a walk, Richard. I think so, too. I think she was in it for the looks. Yeah. He is very handsome. Yeah, he has good hair. It wasn't as great in... Robin Hood, I'm not normally a mustache guy, that he pulled off, but he kind of had to do the medieval haircut, which mm, is Mm. very stuck in its time. Yeah, this was very smooth and just, it looked thick. Of course, the camera quality wasn't great, so just like kind of, you know, black line around his head. Now I need to look this up. IMDb, also a great thing, like Turner Classic Movies. 
Oh, yes. Now, I know the doctors, when he died, said he did not age well on the outside. He aged well. (laughs) The inside, not so much, once again. Yes, you're right. He does have a very nice head of hair in, Mm -hmm. what is this, 1947. Yeah. So, Taylor, would you have also swooned for Errol Flynn? I already am. So, yes. (laughs) Because... Maybe I'll have to take a picture of this and share it on our Tumblr, but I showed you in my notes near the top, I wrote, within 10 minutes, swoon. (laughs) And then I told you, don't ever read the Wikipedia article about male actors that you think are handsome because you find out that they are creepy people. Yeah, not that great. if I ever met Errol Flynn in real life, I would think you are handsome and then run away. (laughs) yeah my movie did not make me swoon for him because he was very creepy so understandable seeing a photo beforehand i thought hmm handsome but in my movie (laughs) not so handsome okay so to bring it back to pirates of the caribbean i feel like errol flynn and adventures in robin hood is a good mashup of character qualities of both orlando bloom and johnny depp's characters and Pirates Ooh. of the Caribbean. And the, the heart of Orlando Bloom and the body <laughs> of Jack Sparrow. Uh, I'm, I've, well, i got to tell you, Orlando Bloom was my very first movie star crush. And Ooh. it is the reason I will go see the definitely going to be terrible new Pirates of the Caribbean that's coming out <laughs> in a few months. It's going to be terrible and I'm going to go see it. <laughs> but the sense of humor, for sure, of Johnny Depp. In those movies. See, in those movies, Johnny Depp, oh my. See, I never got it. I never got it. I mean, he's fine, whatever, but. He's so, like, the way he talks in there is just, he got me. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Uh. For the record, there are many other qualities to Orlando Bloom and Johnny Depp that make them full-rounded humans, <laughs> besides their handsomeness. We are objectifying them. I and, apologize. Yes, and Errol Flynn. We apologize to the Errol Flynn and his family. Sean Flynn, Chase, <laughs> on Zoe 101. Now let's see, where does this game begin? Oh, I know. It's simple. We'll start where you're in love with me. You are, aren't you? Because I am with you. That's why I came. I had to see you again. You must go at once. And I don't love you. Oh. You sure? Yes. Very well, then. I'll go. This is rather unfriendly of you, exposing me to my enemies like this. (laughs) Now, let me see. There's a fat old captain of the guard down there with bow legs. Mm. If I drop on him, that'll bend him out worse. Ah, oh, there's an archer. No, he's too thin. I might miss him altogether. Robin. The very thing. Five men at arms talking in a group. They'll break the fall beautifully. Goodbye, my lady. Robin. Yes? Please. Then you do love me, don't you? Don't you? You know I do. Well, that's different. The swashbucklers of Gilmore Cross. You said Lane Kim. I said Paris Geller. Anybody else? What about male? Any male? Mm. Logan liked to dress up with his buddies and jump off of scaffolding. But they weren't really accomplishing anything. Oh, 
Okay, yeah, I should not go on a life and death brigade rant. We've already got one episode where I have a really long one of those. Um, I do think Richard is handsome with the mustache and that he is a cool person and witty. I don't know if I'd call him a swashbuckler. Yeah, because he doesn't save anyone. Christopher rides a motorcycle. Does that make you swashbuckling? Maybe. He does punch Luke. No, Luke punches him. Don't oh, wait, they fight they might... later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They both punch each other. Never mind. <laughs> um, huh. Sticking with the ladies. Yeah, I would not call Dean a swashbuckler. <laughs> uh, and you and I are both Team Jess, but I would not call him a swashbuckler. I think no, he would just read. <laughs> He'd be like, this is stupid. I'm leaving. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he got in some fights, but still. Go Paris and Lane. Woo-hoo! Yeah. They'll be our swashbucklers. Good friends for Rory. Yes. The daughter of Errol Flynn. <laughs> Not only are we going to find 20 eggs within the hour, but we're going on to find 25, and then 30, and then 35, and then 40, and then 45, and then 50, until we find all 59 and take back the square. Yeah! So... Last time, we talked about Suki's frustration and why she left the inn for a little Mm -hmm. while. Now we're going to talk about Michelle and how he was threatening to leave in the revival. Mm. Because it wasn't growing. It wasn't a challenge. And this was actually a complaint that he made in season six of the show. So he had been asking for this for a long time. So it's amazing that he stayed at the inn for ten years complaining of its lack of growth. And season six was also when Suki was saying she needed inspiration. Yes. I wonder if there's an arc for the inn in season six that I don't remember. Do they, they don't do anything different, do they? Not that I remember. Although maybe, like we said last time, maybe Amy Sherman Palladino had this in her back pocket the whole time and was planning mm-hmm. this arc. And then she just had everything freeze for eight years. Mm, <laughs> that is true. Well... In season six, episode 13, Lorelai relays Michelle's frustration to Suki. I just think that if Michelle had somebody to come home to, he might go home. Uh, He's been driving me crazy about turning the stable into a spa. What will we do with the horses? Well, we'd work them in. We'd have the first hot hoof massage on the East Coast. Because I've already got them in California. (laughs) Boom. Boom. So right there. Michelle has been asking for a spa for this whole time, and Lorelai finally gives it to him. Well, we assume she gives it to him when she buys the Twickham home, which, by the way, I love that she bought. The Twickham home turned to an end because that was always her and Luke's. Yeah. Ugh. And that ties in with our other Easter egg about Richard's will. Mm-hmm. In that she got the money that was supposed to go to Luke's diner franchise that probably should have always gone to Lorelai. Yeah. It's very strange because Richard always believed in Lorelai that she could be great, and yet he didn't yeah. act like it always. Well, and he did, he was pretty into that idea of franchising Luke's. So that's not like that came out of the blue. But Luke was never interested. Mm-mm. Whereas I think Lorelai showed a lot more initiative there in that area. Yeah. And not because Luke is lazy, it's just he was satisfied where he was at. He was always yeah. satisfied with his life. In his, because it didn't change. 
Yes. In his lovely speech that made my heart melt, Ugh. he talks about how he thinks that Lorelai thinks he's dissatisfied, mm-hmm. and he's not. He just wants no. her. Yeah, sometimes it's just that simple. Yeah. You know what you like, and you don't need to go travel the world. Mm-hmm. Not all millennials can <laughs> live in a trailer for a year. Anyways, <laughs> that's another rant. Yes. Uh, or, you know, Rory who leaves her boxes with tons of different friends all over the world. Yep. What a life. So there you go, Kirk. Another Easter egg. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. I love you. So that's our show. Woohoo! That is our show. Another one down. That's number nine. Our next one is going to be ten. That's kind of cool. I know. It's double digits. Sad story. Actually, not that sad. <laughs> In the fourth grade, I was younger than everybody, and I turned nine. And Mitchell Anderson turned ten. And our teacher said, welcome to the double digits when he turned ten. And I was really sad when I turned ten that nobody said that to me. So, which is a really random, specific phrase that is not well known. (laughs) It's not like saying happy birthday, which you can reasonably expect your loved ones and friends to say to you. But in our next episode, remind me, I got to say, welcome to the double digits. Yes, I will welcome you to the double mm, digits of podcasting. It'll just make things feel like they've reached full circle or something. Mm Mm-hmm. We did not cover everything about Errol Flynn. And maybe no. you have another Errol Flynn movie you love. Mm-hmm. There were a lot. Or maybe there's an Errol Flynn movie you hate and you just want to tell us about it, which you're also welcome to do. You are. Yes. You can email us at so it's a show at gmail.com. Or tweet at us at so it's a show. You can also find us on Tumblr at so it's a show podcast.tumblr.com because some silly person had so it's a show.tumblr. <laughs> we're not bitter. No, not at all. And you can now find us on YouTube. Yeah. So it's a, a show. If it's a better way to listen, we do not have video recording of all the funny faces Kyla and I make. No. No. That'd be too much. No. That would be too much for you to handle. We would not ask <laughs> you to do that. But we do have the audio up with just an image, just the logo so that you can have that up if you're on YouTube lots. Easy yep. way to listen. So... To anyone listening to us on YouTube, hello. It's me. I was wondering, I was wondering if after, after all, all these, these years you'd like to meet. You'd like to- oh, see, you were making <laughs> it more relevant. I was yeah. just poorly singing Adele. That's okay. That's good, too. Adele's great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she is. So then you can also tweet us individually. I'm at Kyla Kathnadu. K-Y-L-A-C-A-R-N-E-I-R-O. And I'm at T like 24. Got it. Got it. Good. Good. And on our next episode, we are talking 80s dream team. I feel like we need to play some like 18 music right now. <laughs> okay. I guess we should say not the 80s dream team because you could also call the breakfast club that I think. Mm-hmm. But a this dream team def- in a different way. Yes, a different dream team with a member of the Breakfast Club in it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, maybe we should give them the actors' names, and then they should tweet at us if they know the movie. Oh, here you go. Here's your clue. Let me pull up all of them, because there was a long list. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Matt Dillon. Patrick Swayze. Emilio Estevez. Tom Cruise. Rob Lowe. Yeah. I know you know the answer, Kyla, because we've talked about it. But I won't say it. Tweet at us if you know it. Yes, we want to know. See if you can guess it. I mean, that's what the internet's for, right? Yeah, that's true. You could just use that. But try not to. Yeah, bonus points if you know it off the top of your head. Mm-hmm. Here's another hint. Bye. Bye. So, Pony Boy, you happy? Yeah, I'm happy.